Coach, thank you so much for joining us and, and taking some time out of your Friday night. Um, I want to go back to the beginning of your time in Florida because I want our listeners to hear the interesting story about how you found, you know, how you found out about the Boca Raton coaching vacancy and and, and how you got the job for the Bobcats. Because I read an article from a couple of years ago that you, I think you were doing some recruiting down here, and then you just wound you wound up coaching football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was basically the story. I was coaching uh, a Division three uh, college up in Ohio called Kenyon College. Uh, and we were, I, I was responsible for recruiting the, the whole state of Florida. And I, I, we had a kid from, from Boca High that we were interested in. And I came down and uh, got to visit the campus and got to meet with this, with this recruit and got to meet with the old athletic director there, uh, Matt Ryder. Um, and then I also had some communication with the old head coach, Brandon Walker, who mm-hmm. stepped into the AD role. So I had all those connections, I suppose. Um, and it was just kind of the right fit at the right time. Uh, I was looking to kind of make a move, um, in my career and, and it just seemed to be the right fit. Uh, joined here on high school hysteria by Boca Raton football coach, David Angel coach. Like you mentioned, you took over for, for Brandon Walker, who went 13 and eight in two seasons with the Bobcats before stepping off the football field and into the athletic director's chair, so to speak. How valuable has it been to have coach Walker, as a sounding board, you know, as, as a supporting figure of the program, especially as you come down to Florida from, from Ohio, you know, and you, you need somebody or, you know, it helps to have somebody who, who knows the area, knows the school, and, and really knows the atmosphere of South Florida high school football. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It was, um, I mean, that's, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. He was very, very much a great resource for me uh, to, to lean on when I had questions about, you know, the way things work down here. And it's, you know, it's different from, from what I had experienced in the past. So it was definitely a, a little learning curve there. But, uh, no, he was great. I mean, it was, um, it was a great experience to have him in our corner. Uh, he was a great supporter of our program. And, you know, he always looked out for us coaches and tried to make sure that, you know, we had what we needed to be successful. So he was, he was a great athletic director. And, obviously, now getting back into coaching, wishing nothing but the best. Obviously, you've you know had a lot of experience in, in the football world. Uh, you're around high school football in the state of Ohio, and a state that certainly holds its own in terms of producing football talent. Now that you've gotten a, a few years in Florida under your belt, what do you notice as you know the biggest difference or, or differences between high school ball in, in Ohio versus down here in the Sunshine State? Um, you know, I've got I've got some some thoughts on it. I, I mean, there's there's some 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 pros and cons to right. each. Uh, there's some, yeah, yeah. But I mean, in terms of the level of athlete, uh, you know, the South Florida athletes are just, you know, they're, they're, they're a different breed. I mean, we're just, it's, it's bigger, faster, stronger at a lot of, a lot of positions. Um, I think in Ohio, at least the programs I had been around, um, there was a lot more, uh, program development, uh, which, you know, we, we didn't really see a lot of when we, when we got down here to Florida, there was, there was a lot of talent and, and that's great. And, uh, you know, there's obviously very talented and skilled players out there. Um, but we sort of wanted to hang our hat on the development side of it. So we wanted to, you know, make sure we were teaching sound technique and, and, and sound fundamentals and trying to build a program kind of from, you know, essentially on the building blocks of consistency, toughness, discipline, uh, things of that nature. Um, so in terms of the level of athlete, you know, I mean, there's, it doesn't really get much better than the Tri-County area in Florida. Um, but, you know, there there was a lot of things that that were different from from Ohio ball. You know, it's just there's some there's a lot more program development. There's a lot more, um, you know, trying to 
develop players from an early age, from a young age. So we, we try to do that as much as we can uh, down in Boca. Stone, I think you got a question for uh, for Coach Angel. Hey, Coach Angel, you've already had two successful seasons already, going six and two in that debut year in 2020, and then followed that up with eight and three last season. Now, I have a question for you because I realize those losses came to some of the same teams in back-to-back seasons in Deerfield Beach and Atlantic. And when I was playing in high school, it was in this area, and there was always that one team. And for me, that was Vieira. And I played in 7A, and they always went and played St. Thomas Aquinas, and it was always seemed like that was the one hump we can't get over. And from my experience, it was never something really spoken about. It was never something the coaches talked about, right? We never keyed in on Vieira until it came time. Mm. I played quarterback, so sometimes I got it. Let's say we played Vieira in week eight. I would hear in week four, you know, we're doing some of this stuff, implementing these things in the playbook for Vieira. Do you talk to some of your players about approaching a game against Deerfield Beach or Palm Beach Central? Because I know you do play Atlantic in week three, Palm Beach Central in week six, and Deerfield if you find yourself in the playoffs. So is this something you talk to your players about? No, 100%. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's Like you said, that's sort of been our stumbling block the past couple of years is you know we sometimes we get on the field with a team that uh, has, has more talent, and, and sometimes it's right. hard um, you know, to beat you know, talent just from a, from a – you know, from an athletic standpoint, but, uh, you know, I think this year we're going to have a team that can really compete with those guys. I think, uh, you know, we certainly have games on our schedule that are circled. Um, I think we talked about that as a coaching staff very early on when our schedule was finalized, we've pinpointed and highlighted some games and say, listen, like, you know, past couple of years, we've been, you know, competing with these guys, you know, but this year the objective is to beat these guys. And, and I think, uh, you know, that's, that's very much in our players head. Um, so we've done, We've tried to instill that into them pretty early on that we've got some, you know, some key matchups. Now it doesn't mean obviously we can go out there and and sleep through and just kind of cruise control through the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, right. But you know, we certainly have some games that, you know, us as a program, we've sort of identified as, you know, we we we, we need to show up and and we can beat these guys if we just show up and play the play the football that we want to play. Yeah, as a player, I respect that. I wish I was spoken to about the games you have circled on the schedule and the reasons why you have them circled and kind of how we want to approach them so I could get my mindset ready going on in the season, right? I, there's things that – there are weaknesses that Deerfield has, there are weaknesses that Atlantic have, and if I would have known that as a player early on in the season, I would have been able to attack it differently – so I, uh, I respect that you talk to your players about that and you as coaches circle games on your schedule because a lot of guys go the old school route, right? They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to put it in their kids' heads. They just kind of want to go about their day and keep that same routine when I don't think that's productive. Coach, uh, great question, Stone. You know, Stone played uh, down here before playing at Southern Illinois, so he's got a, an awesome perspective, uh, you know, on, on the teams that have, have given, you know, him and the team some trouble and, and uh, the teams that – uh, you know, the great rivalries down here. One thing I noticed, Coach, looking over the, the last year's schedule, you lost three games, but you only lost to two teams. It was, it was a rough one against Deerfield Beach. Uh, you guys lost 40 to nothing, uh, and I hate to bring it up because that's no fun, but I only bring it up because you come back two weeks later, you face them again, and, and I know you don't like to talk, no coach likes to talk about moral victories, but you, you lose to, to them 21 to 7. I mean, you're down 14 to 7 at halftime. You go from losing by forty to losing by fourteen. Again, I like I, I don't I, I, coaches don't like moral victories, but that was that's pretty impressive to me to turn around like that and give those guys all they can handle. Were you proud of that effort? You know, two weeks later and kind of shaking that one off and and really and really uh, you know giving those guys a, a tough game in the playoffs. And 
you know, is that something you can build on, even though it, you you know you you lose your last game of the season, but very few teams win their last game of the season. Is that is that a building block you can take into into your next game with them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we you know we we don't really talk about moral victories either, but you know for us, kind of internally and intrinsically, that was certainly. Um, kind of a, a really good outcome in our mind. I mean, we knew Deerfield was going to be tough, and we had, we had some injuries going into that game, so we knew we weren't really at full strength, and we had some starters that weren't playing. So it was it was sort of an uphill battle for us to begin with. So to come out and, and pitch the, the defensive game that we did, I mean, going into half at 14-7 was remarkable. Uh, you know, we're, we're sitting around kind of talking at halftime saying, we got a chance. Like, mm-hmm. we just got to, you know, we just got to keep our pedal to the metal and keep grinding. But, um no, that's certainly something that we'll take with us into this off season, and, and we've done that. Um, you know, like I told you earlier, I mean, the objective now is not to, you know, not just compete with the Palm Beach Centrals and the Atlantics and, and those teams, which are very good teams, and, and you know, we've got tremendous respect for their athletes and their coaches. But you know, the objective now is to uh, get on the field and win, and so I think I think uh, you know we're going to have a team that can that can do that, especially after last year's you know Deerfield performance. Those guys certainly remember what they're capable of. So that's, that's definitely the goal. Coach, before I let you go, I I do want to ask you about uh, one of your players, Sebastian St. Louis. Uh, Correct correct me if I'm, if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, Your hybrid six, six tight end wide receiver. Sebastian will be a senior in the fall and he's got offers from Navy Bowling Green and just recently got an offer from Brown university out of the Ivy league. And I, we spoke earlier in the show with Chris Coquel, who's got a player up at Fort Pierce Westward named Jalen Mons, who has got some Ivy League offers. And I said to him, same thing I'll say to you, you know, we talk all the time about kids in this area who have offers to play at some of the best programs in the country, but just as rare are the kids who have the opportunity to go play in the Ivy League. What makes Sebastian one of those rare players, one of those rare people? Yeah, Sebastian St. Louis, uh, that's how you, his last name you pronounce it, St. Louis, but um no, he's 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 a different breed, man. He's um he's one of the most mature, uh, articulate young men I've ever met. Um, he's developed tremendously as a leader. He's kind of stepped into that vocal leadership role uh, that we've needed this off season. So, um, he's he's a tremendous young man, and and he deserves all the accolades that are coming towards him. Uh, you know, he's a gifted athlete. Um, he's got the size that you know can really be built upon at the Division One level. Um, we always pride ourselves uh, at Boca to develop not just athletically, but academically as well. So, you know, guys pulling in Ivy League offers is just a testament to, you know, kind of our program and to the type of player that Sebastian is and the type of young man he is. Uh, he values his education um, just as much as he values his football. So um, I think uh, that's just a testament to the type of kid he is, you know, pulling yeah. in those Ivy League offers and, and a school like Navy obviously is, is uh, you know, one of the best institutions in the country, if not the world. And, and uh, you know, for him to be able to, to be recognized and seen as a guy who can go to those schools, you know, that's pretty incredible. So um, hopefully he'll get some more. I think he's, you know, he's going to be hitting some camps pretty heavily here pretty soon, and uh, he should reel in a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, that's just we're, we're tremendously proud of him, and, and he, he, he deserves all of it. Coach, we're running out of time here on High School Stereo. Got to let you go, but we appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Season's going to be here before we know it. Looking forward to talking to you with you then. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys.